Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast that believes you never abandon J.J. McCarthy for Kirk Cousins unless you're on peyote. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you pillar of optimism and stability in the crumbling ruins of what was once the Roman capital. How are you, brother? Doing well, man. It's good to see you. Miss you down there. I know you're hanging out south of the border, across the pond, wherever you may be, traveling the world, stirring up problems. Stirring up stuff down in South America, navigating by the Southern Cross still, and intaking as much Michigan news as possible over these last couple days. And it's been a it's been a saga, my friend. A saga, yes. That's a great way to describe it. And really, it's been only going on for three weeks. I remember two weeks ago when you and I spoke or however long ago it was like, yeah, he's probably coming back, you know, this and that we're still feeling positive about it. Just joking around. And then this past week, I mean, it really hit the fan that it did, sir. So what we're going to attempt to do today is break down this timeline as best we can about the confusing saga of Jim Harbaugh and his return to Michigan. But before we begin a little preamble, to this in the sense that you said it's been the last three weeks. This really began last year after a two and four season where a great number of Michigan faithful and even some of the people within the program were questioning Jim Harbaugh's future here. There was talk of Matt Campbell, even on this podcast, we suggested, and I quote, that maybe you move to Matt Campbell now because you won't have that opportunity next year, end quote, and end speculation because now Jim Harbaugh returns 
But that does not take away the fact that this has been something that has been rumbling and may continue to rumble this this idea that maybe Jim Harbaugh would flirt with the NFL. So flashback to January of 2020, a offseason contract is rewarded to Jim Harbaugh that will pay him a base salary of four million last year, which will increase in, in up until four point four two six by 2025 with heavy incentives on winning the Big Ten Championship, the College Football National Playoff, and the Big Ten East Division, which he took over $2.5 million in those incentives last year. Michigan also agreed during that there would be a $4 million buyout if he were fired in 2021, a guarantee that will go down $1 million each subsequent year of the contract, meaning it will be $3 million this year, et cetera, et cetera. Now we flash forward to the last month of this year where things really, really get interesting after Jim Harbaugh has by far his most successful year at Michigan. And it all started right after the college football playoff loss to Georgia. So everything had been turning up Michigan since late November, early November, through Ohio State, through the Heisman Trophy ceremony, everything, all the accolades, all the awards, all the praise. Then the loss to Georgia happens, and I believe it's just maybe five, six, seven days later, it's the rumor mill starting to fire up for the NFL. Coaching circles are starting to change. The playoffs begin to get underway. And that's the time when a lot of bad teams are making coaching changes. They call it Black Monday for a reason. The final Monday, the first Monday after the final Sunday of the regular season. So coaches are fired. And just like every year, Harbaugh's name is being mentioned. But this year started to feel just a little bit different. First reports that Harbaugh might be entertaining NFL offers came through on January 7th. That's the first that I could find on Twitter. This was nothing new at that point. I think we were pretty used to uh, the fact that Harbaugh rumors were just part of every offseason. At this point, I'm not really shaking. I'm not even stirring. Yeah, I'm not even sweating a little bit. Just like, okay, we've been here. We've done this before. Every year, Harbaugh's been at Michigan, save for the 2020 season. Some point between January 7th and January 19th, we hear from Bruce Feldman, uh, amongst others, that Harbaugh is exploring Bears, Dolphins, and Raiders opening. The next official announcement that I can find, January 19th, Bruce Feldman reports Harbaugh will take the Raiders job if offered. So between January 7th and January 19th, still a lot more speculation, absolutely nothing being reported. You and I follow John Bacon and Sam Webb. They keep, continue to report. Nobody knows anything. They prove during this whole cycle that they are the best, quote-unquote, Michigan insiders and always will be because they just follow the news. They're not worried about being first. They're worried about being right and giving you the accurate reporting. And Feldman's a pretty connected guy, and to say something like that is very strange and almost irresponsible because Harbaugh hadn't even interviewed. And that's like saying, hey, Jared, would you want to be a congressman if asked? It's like, sure, <laughs> why not? Is that an option? <laughs> exactly. So it was very strange to be that speculative. Usually that's reserved for people like you and I. Sure. And that's not the last time throughout this saga that speculation will uh, will become part of the reporting here. But yeah, in between that point, between January 7th and January 19th, it's basically just the chatter is building up, but it's the Raiders that are considered uh, the lead in that. The Dolphins were an interesting mix because of the Stephen Ross connection. Uh, the Bears being interesting just because of Harbaugh's history in the area. It's not too far away. Uh, maybe he wants to coach Justin Fields. That one didn't really seem like it had too, too much legs. Uh, but the Raiders one really started to get people concerned coming out on January 19th. On January 26th, Mike McDonald took the job as the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. You know, good for Mike McDonald. He came down here, went to college, got his merits up, and then he turned pro. 
Like he came, he did exactly what he came here to do. And you know, he had NFL aspirations. He'd been with the Ravens prior to Michigan for almost a decade, had a good relationship there. That defensive coordinator position unexpectedly became available after they parted ways with longtime tenured defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale. So good on Mike McDonald, but that change kind of felt like maybe there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know. I wasn't necessarily believing that because Mike McDonald getting that promotion to DC, that feels like something that was likely discussed between Jim and John Harbaugh when Mike McDonald accepted this position that maybe this is a rental. If things go South here with Wink Martindale, or just so you know, this is the DC in waiting, but we'll loan him to you for a year. I don't know. I'm not reporting that, but that seems likely when you have a deal like between brothers like this happening in the off season. And the fact that John Harbaugh was so encouraging of Mike McDonald as the candidate for Michigan's DC. Do you think there maybe was something there where it was discussed like, Hey, he is the guy in waiting here. Just so you know. I think there very well could have been because he progressed throughout that organization. It seemed like it had no DC experience, didn't know when Martindale was going to be ever be a part of like not a part of the Ravens. So why not come down here and get your first year of coordinating experience? And also in that timeline was the departure of Nua, the hiring of Mike Elston coming back. We covered a few weeks ago on the podcast that also kind of led to why would he, this guy come to Michigan after 12 years at Notre Dame? just for Harbaugh to leave and then Mike, Mike McDonald to leave. So it was confusing on both sides there. It was confusing, but I can tell you at this point with the bringing in of Mike Elston and the fact that recruiting was still ongoing and you're not seeing a lot of decommitments, I was at this point pretty convinced Harbaugh would stay. Now we flash forward to January 30th, 31st. We get the report Harbaugh will be interviewing with the Vikings on National Signing Day. Uh, which was concerning, um, especially knowing that a lot of people hold this Vikings job in high regard and working for that organization. They have a brand new stadium, brand new practice facilities, um, by all accounts, uh, very patient owners. So this one started to feel like it had legs and it's so late in the process. I think this is where people started to get a little bit nervous and a little bit more uncomfortable with the fact that this is still going on and not resolved. Very worrisome as well because Harbaugh has a relationship with the new general manager of the Vikings from working in San Francisco several years ago. As you said, it's late in the cycle. New stadium, new new GM, new all of this, but same old Kirk Cousins. I mean, that's still persisting. But besides, <laughs> besides that, it was seeming like he was going to sign. Although it was National Signing Day, those of us that like really followed, this is like National Signing Day light. Right. This is the natty light of National Signing like Michigan signed one person, I believe, like a late flip. And so not much was really going on. It was just the optics of it were bad. Like no matter which way you cut it, whether it be the light national signing day or the main one, not a good look. So at that point yesterday or a few days ago, it was like, okay, this, this is it. He's going to take the job. And you and I talked off air about how we felt like we were lambs headed to slaughter and we just kind of accepted it. <laughs> this was not the point where I had accepted it. The, that point actually happened on February 1st when Chris Bayless of on three news reports that Harbaugh will likely be taking the Minnesota job. On that same day, the Brian Flores lawsuit news drops, which is a bombshell that we're going to cover a little bit here because it actually is. It's more than a little Harbaugh adjacent. This may have played a role. You start hearing things about the new GM at Minnesota, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, I believe. Uh, I hopefully said that correctly. And that connection that they had un at San Francisco. And then it was believed that he was operating under the assumption that he would have this job, which makes sense as this reporting comes out on February 1st and the interview hadn't even been conducted yet. He wasn't even in Minnesota 
and Bayless is reporting that he's taking this job. This is where things get a little bit nutty and where the reporting of things maybe makes it look a little worse. And I don't want to say reporters are wiping egg off of their faces after this one, uh, but it was a debacle starting on around February 1st with that news that Harbaugh would be taking the Minnesota job. Again, it's all of the optics and everything going around surrounding this, like announcing that maybe when you don't know, trying to be first, maybe when you've heard a whisper of a whisper and you're trying to jump on it. And you and I always, we say, follow the bacon, follow the web, because Sam Webb and John Bacon always have the best ones are the most informed. They're not speculative. It's very down the line. But other guys are really jumping, and a lot of media members were just running around, some of them being borderline arrogant with like, chirp, 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 Harbaugh's going to sign. Uh-oh. It's like, and then he doesn't. So now you just look like an idiot. So I don't understand that level of pretension and just your in basis of reporting. So that was very strange. And you tie it in with the Flores news and the fact that it seemed like maybe they just interviewed this guy as a formality and everything else. So very strange times these last couple of days involving the hiring process of the Vikings. No doubt. I want to put a pin in the Flores discussion because I do want to touch on that and how that plays into all this. And it does seem like there was a rush to be first on this when in reality, no one other than Jim Harbaugh knew what was going on. Now, some of the reporting that's come out since then suggests that Jim Harbaugh was operating under the assumption that he had that job. That comes from Courtney Cronin, a reporter for the Minnesota Vikings. He meets with the team for nine hours on National Signing Day. And then there is some discussion. This comes from John Bacon, who we trust. I mean, as much as anyone, follow the bacon, follow the web. Uh, that he was having to answer questions or quell rumors that he's difficult to deal with in the second half of this interview. And this is stuff that's probably coming from the Yorks over at San Francisco, uh, maybe coming from Trent Balky, although I don't know if anyone's listening to Trent Balky at this point. But it sounds like if you're putting all the pieces together, Harbaugh thought he was taking this Minnesota job, flew there under the assumption that it was his to lose, finds himself in a nine-hour interview, and the interview goes south. Is that what happened here? Or is that just like piecing together breadcrumbs and, and, and making the narrative fit to what, I, like, what I'm thinking it is? I, I mean, where do you think that this thing went? I don't think you're far off. I think there's a little bit of truth in that. So where there's smoke, there's often fire. So with this, I feel like he went there probably thinking he's going to get the job. And it's really weird that the, he's difficult to work with rumors resurfaced this year because it's coming off a year of reinvention for Jim Harbaugh. Right. Yeah, that had been the narrative, but 2021 completely flipped it on its head. Like, was very limited to the media. Stop with the me, me, me stuff. Always took a backseat to his players and let them get the shine. So that's kind of strange to me that that's trying to resurface. So I don't know if that was a smear campaign or what. And this honestly could have just come down to a personnel disagreement. Like, I don't want Kirk Cousins to be my quarterback. <laughs> I mean, they might have wanted Kirk Cousins to be his quarterback. So, or maybe vice versa, draft strategy, because we knew wherever Harbaugh went, he wanted control. So I think it came down to more of a control issue, if I were to venture a guess here. But I don't know if we'll ever get the full story. I agree with you. I texted you because of the timing of it and, and the Bayless report coming out. I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, And we were getting some whispers behind the scenes that get ready to break some news kind of thing. And the timing of it made no sense to me. I'm like, well, if we're getting ready to break news on the verge of him going to interview, that has to mean he's coming back, right? So that's like the, the assumption I was operating under that night when I went to bed or didn't sleep. I had three bottles of Argentinian wine and waited for you to log on so I could spew fire. <laughs> 
Cause yeah, like it comes through and I'm like, this makes no sense. How are we announcing this before the interview? It gets bizarre. The timeline gets bizarre. And yeah, what happened behind the scenes there in that discussion? I mean, if, if I were told and I'm Jim Harbaugh, like you can go back to college and have JJ McCarthy or Cade McNamara or come to the Vikings and only have Kirk cousins. I would be absolutely, I would be speeding back at the highest rate of speed to Ann Arbor because I would not want nothing to do with Kirk cousins as my quarterback. But I don't think that's what it was. It seems like this man thought he had the job, didn't get the job, and then came back. Like, I won't say like tail tucked between the legs because you're a Big Ten winning coach. Like, you're coming back triumphantly, but you're coming back with, like, with a, a very, very strange air about you and now about the program. Like, I, I don't think there's any denying that. What I think it is because he did, I mean, as far as everything that's pointed from the Bacon reports is he withdrew his name before he was officially offered. Whether they're going to or not, that's up to them. Well, we probably won't know that. But with Harbaugh, it's, he's had so much control at Michigan since he arrived in two thousand or late 2014. It's been his, his program. He's been running it the way he wants, choosing personnel, choosing all of that. And now if you go to the Minnesota and you want to get rid of Kirk Cousins for a quarterback you think is better and they don't want to or vice versa, you're going to butt heads. So at the NFL level, I could see him like having that issue. I get recruiting is a, gr a grind at the college level, but you have so much control over who you're bringing into the program, who you're grooming. And if he wasn't going to have like a semblance of that control in Minnesota, it doesn't surprise me why it went south. So it's like you come back here and it's like, okay, I have an appreciation for this job. And what it reminds me of, I believe it was in, it was sometime in the mid 2000s when the Lakers job was rumored to be coming up. And Mike Krzyzewski was the front runner for it, like leaving Duke, like this is a big, big deal. But he ultimately decided to stay at Duke, even after interviewing and everything else. Like Obviously, he doesn't have the pedigree of, at that time, I think three national championships <laughs> as Coach K did. But like he's still coming off a very successful turn. He's won 71% of his games. Like The pedigree is there, especially after last season. So it's like coming back, maybe it's a control thing, maybe it's this. I don't know. There's a lot of factors at play. I mean, parents, brothers, sons, everything at Michigan. So very strange timeline. I can't wait for his first presser to speak about it. I would love a book written about this. So hopefully John Bacon is on that because it was a fascinating couple of days. But I also refuse to believe that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, who was there at San Francisco and saw what happened when they made the change from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick, would not let his coach choose his quarterback at that next level I refuse that can't be the reason like there's no way they were they were like divided over Kirk Cousins like yo this has to be our guy no way around it like no one's I don't even think Kirk Cousins wife is backing him to that degree well his contract is strange because it's one of the only completely guaranteed contracts so no matter what you're going to eat it that yeah. that could be the thing that holds it up. So I don't know what it was, but I know Harbaugh is a guy that likes control of the program, and he's demonstrated that he deserves it. So who knows where it went south in there. But nine hours, that's grueling. I don't want to interview for more than an hour. I don't want to do anything other than sleep for nine hours. I mean, you and I have a test. I mean, we've drank for more than nine hours. That's true. It. All right, there's several things I would do for more than nine hours, but I got to be in the mood exactly like i'm just not gonna go hike up a mountain you know yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's not in it for me so this saga ends on february 2nd when adam schefter i believe he was the first to break the news um you know i was looking through twitter trying to find this and i think he was the first confirms harbaugh will returning bayless says of his report he's not sure what happened reports are that he assumed he had the job 
Harbaugh's back. Michigan is reportedly elated. That's also per Schefter. And we're going to get more information here in the coming days about how this went down. The other thing to note is that Harbaugh reportedly told Ward Manuel this would not be a recurring thing. So that's where we're at right now. I guess we're celebrating. Our guy comes back. We got him for at least one more year, but I can't help but feel like this is your wife on the day of her wedding being like, I'm going to grab brunch with an ex before the ceremony. I may or may not be there. She texts you like, no, 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 I'm getting back with the ex. 10 minutes later says ceremony's still on, baby. I'm on my way home. We're getting hitched. Like, yes, we're getting hitched, but this, this marriage seems dubious. I think of it more. She grabs brunch with him and she feels it out, thinks it's going to be one thing, then realizes it's the same old shit and comes back. Like, I got this guy right here. We've built a stable foundation. Let's get it. So maybe it's my eternal optimist in me. Maybe it's me realizing that as a fan, I'm fickle by nature because you go back last year, we're doom and gloom. Winning fixes everything. So right now it may seem kind of lukewarm. His first presser is going to be everything. He wants. He said he wants to address the team and players first. He comes out, we start this next season 7-0. and I really don't care if he interviewed with six teams. It doesn't bother me at all. It's going to be forgotten when he starts 1-0. We're going to be locked back in, <laughs> ready to go. Like Playing football trumps all, and as soon as those balls get rolled out and we're watching this offense next year, we're going to forget all about this. I mean, totally. We've got our guy back. We've known for some time that he desires to win a Super Bowl. It's a pretty awesome goal. Like My, my <laughs> daily goals are just like, make it to the library and study Spanish for an hour. Like that's a goal for me. Like this dude's like, I want to win the Super Bowl, the greatest football achievement there is. I respect that. Yeah. Especially having been so close in that wacky Super Bowl and losing to your brother, very admirable and understand why he wants to do it. And I, I do like the fact that he told Ward Manuel that this won't be a recurring thing because if you waver on that in the future, then it's going to seem really bad. Like then, it, then it's over, over. So him saying that's an interesting kind of sentiment. I agree with you. And we're going to continue talking about this. We're going to talk a little bit about what this means. Some of the guys that we had picked um, for maybe taking over the head coaching job. Some of the guys we like for the de- defensive coordinator jobs. But definitely check out the Blue by 90 Guys podcast, breaking this down on uh, maizeandbrew.com. They're going to give a really thorough analysis of what this means for the program and just dive even deeper into this. I'll call it a debacle, but it's a low-level debacle. I like Saga more. This was a reporting debacle. If the reporting hadn't been surrounding this, it would have been a just like a bump in the road. Yes, yes. All right, I agree with you. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what this all means and uh, maybe the most entertaining Super Bowl of the last 20 years going into it. We'll talk about that more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back. This is still out of the blue. Jim Harbaugh is still our coach, and we are still podcasting. We would like to talk about kind of what we see for the Michigan future here. But as we said, blue by 90, those guys are going to cover that. But I do want to talk about what this means for the immediate future, as it was National Signing Day yesterday, National Signing Day light, as you so aptly called it. But there was uh, the number nine class secured by Michigan. That's by 247 Sports and Rivals. Really only one decommitment, and that's uh, on National Signing Day. Three-star edge rusher Cavante Henry switches to Oklahoma. But it ends as a really solid class. So despite all the the hubbubaloo that's going on around the program, Michigan does have a pretty normal and above-average signing day. I would say top 10 is is above average in a, in a league of 130 teams. Exactly. And we always say 12 is the spot you want to be in. You want to be in the top 12. You need to have those studs on campus. So you have the number nine class coming in. You have how many starters coming back on offense? You lose Stuber. You lose You lose three. You bring back eight starters on offense. You have a defense that's rebuilding that has some depth, has some good pieces in play. It's like, yeah, our program's in great shape right now. It's kind of awesome. <laughs> It is kind of awesome. How many do you bring back on defense? We don't have this in the dock, but we should be able to figure this out just very quickly, so, right? So Mozzie Smith. Smith is back. Yep. You bring back Junior Colson. Yep. DJ Turner. Yep. Hill Green, is he considered a starter? Fringe starter. So is Barry. I would say Hill yeah. Green. So really four there. But then you bring back pieces like Moten, Rods, Rod Moore, Right. Um, Mike Barrett, who's played Upshaw. So there's a lot of pieces that have been rotational. Jamon Green has starting experience. But yeah. so it's like, I would say if you're just going to Five of 11 out, between Moten and Hill Green, right? Correct. So yeah, so like maybe yeah, five to six. So it's like, and you have pieces around them as well. And plus, I mean, the defensive backs class coming in is incredible with Zeke Barry and Will Johnson. Right, right. So you feel good about that. So you're bringing those guys back. National Signing Day, not a disaster. Kudos for the team and the coaches that were still there to keep this thing together, not let it go off the rails with all of the stuff going on in the media. So that's awesome. So we're ready to go for next year, except we don't have a defensive coordinator. But you and I are definitely on the we have the answers in house. So before we get into the answers in house on defensive coordinator, had Harbaugh had gone to Minnesota, you and I had a whole podcast ready to go nine in the morning, two bottles of wine deep for me uh, about who we wanted. And we thought we had the answers in house for head coach, too. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of noise kind of unsubstantiated and just kind of strange. Like, we need a Michigan guy to lead this. We need a Michigan guy. A lot of clamoring from Mike Hart. And all due respect to Mike Hart, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. He doesn't have any coordinating experience. And I want to keep this offense intact. And you and I were on the complete same page that you make this the Broyles Award winner, Josh Gaddis, the head coach, the first black coach in the history of the program, the guy who just evolved this team last year and you the the strength of the team next year. So mm -hmm. I think it was it would have been Gaddis walking away for me personally. I think this my best argument for why you would do that is because a two year prove it deal with Gaddis is so less disastrous than a four year deal with, say, Matt Campbell. 
if Bill Campbell O'Brien. doesn't work out. Yeah, or Bill O'Brien. Like, because you might lose McCarthy, Edwards, Andrell. You might lose, like, a bunch of these guys. The transfer portal is way too easy to get into now. And, you know, McCarthy seems like a Michigan dude through and through, but I wouldn't risk that. And a t- what's a pr- two-year prove-it deal? You're in the same situation two years from now. You're not going to be awful with that offense. So I'm with you. Had this have gone the other way, the answers are in-house. Now let's talk about the actual opening, which is that defensive coordinator, where I think we're both in agreement again uh, that the answers are in-house. So St- Steve Klingscale, who's brought to the program last year to work in the secondary, had a clause in his contract that if they finish top 25 in passing defense, he becomes a co-defensive coordinator for 2022. So he's one answer. And I think you pair him up with Mike Elston, the guy who came over from Notre Dame, Michigan man, alum, spent 12 years there. And you make them co-DCs together. You don't just shoulder the burden on one of them. And you bring in another coach to help out with like some of the smaller positional duties. But those are your guys right there. Clink has a great relationship with them. Elston has a pedigree that he can lean on across the front. So it just seems like seems too easy. They were bringing in Maurice Linguist at first, kind of in this capacity. Like, mm-hmm. should we lose whoever's next? You're the next guy. It almost seems like they did the same thing with Clink scale. You're the guy in waiting, especially with what you just mentioned, the fact that his status, his uh, his coaching position was was ample, like was amplified last year. And and they they expanded his role. So obviously they're high on this guy. We're high on this guy. The results in the secondary last year speak for themselves. Um, If you weren't going to go that route, which I think that you probably should, there are some other names that I do find interesting. Um, One name that has been floated around is former Michigan linebacker, current outside linebacker coach for Tampa Bay, and that's Larry Foote. 41 years old. Tampa also runs the 3-4. He's a big name, would still be able to connect with recruits. I don't hate that idea. No, I, I don't hate it at all. And I wrote an article a few weeks back talking about three of the guys, and he was one of the people I mentioned in this. And young guy can connect and really bring the NFL experience. He's won a Super Bowl, but he might have won two. And all the players he's worked with and learned from, I think it would be a Mike McDonald-esque hire, a guy who'd strictly been an NFL position coach at his peak and now comes to Michigan to be the coordinator. It probably is, once again, though, like a one-year deal, though, kind of thing, because he would be a guy that's looking to move elsewhere, probably has NFL aspirations. So that's another reason why I think you go clink scale here is because you could probably lock him up for two, three years, get somebody that's going to stick there and improve his resume. But Foot is a guy, Vic Fangio, former Broncos coach, and then before that, he was the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator, uh, a guy that uh, there was rumors Harbaugh would be targeting if he took the Minnesota job. That's a name. Uh, My guy would be Brian Flores if you want to shoot for the moon. That's probably the only guy that I would be like, okay, do that over promoting clink scale. If you could get Brian Flores. But once again, that's going to be a one-year deal, and that's only because he's going to be in courts with the NFL for some time now. Yeah, that would be tough. And Fangio has a relationship with Harbaugh. He was the DC for his San Francisco tenure and also one year at Stanford. So they have a good relationship. So, I, But that one just still seems like he has the NFL aspiration. So it could be a one-year rental as well. And you kind of want to bring some stability to that side of the ball. You want to lock somebody up that's going to be there for the long haul. And I think that's what gives Clink Scale and Mike Elston the like biggest leg up as far as everybody else is concerned. 
Speaking of stability, got to talk about our people over at Homefield Apparel now. Nice. This is our, oh, <laughs> that's called transition, my friend. And uh, <laughs> Homefield Apparel been been with us now for over a year, with us through the bad times and the good. Incredibly comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand, and I'm telling you, they've got you covered on whatever style you want. I like the old school stuff myself because I'm getting up there in my years, so I like to go back peruse through some of the old designs that they got but they got the new new stuff out there as well and they got whatever team you want they got you covered licensed apparel company with anything that you want and you can get 20 percent off your first purchase with mnb when you go to check out at homefieldapparel.com um i agree with you in full i think that the stability of keeping clink scale is, is the way to go here. Some other not, uh, names out there are really just one more name that I might be okay with. And that's Derek Mason just accepted the job at Oklahoma state as their defensive coordinator uh, was at, uh, what was he Vanderbilt there for a little Vanderbilt. bit. Yeah. And uh, he, he would be an interesting name, but I, I'm all in on just promoting clink skill. I think you're right. I think then you go get another positional coach and you go for a guy that can recruit and, and do what Harbaugh generally does when he brings in position coaches. He wants guys that are ambitious and hungry to prove that they can go to the next job. And that's a good way to build. That's what Urban Meyer did. Ryan Day kind of does the same thing. Uh, look at Alabama under Nick Saban. My goodness. I mean, guys don't stick around for longer than three years if you're an offensive or a defensive coordinator there. So it's a good problem to have. This is paying the success tax as you deemed it. Exactly. And you bring in a guy here that can work the transfer portal, work recruiting, preferably a younger guy as well to really keep the culture up with inside the program. But like you take away all the hoopla from these last couple weeks of reporting, Harbaugh's back, Arc coaching staff is almost completely intact from last season is completely intact on the offensive side of the ball you keep Jay Harbaugh you keep Matt Weiss you mean it's in a really good place right now and I think here in a few weeks everything will be settled down spring ball be getting underway and I mean our expectations are just going to be ridiculously high (laughs) I love it. You're absolutely right. After all the hullabaloo and when the smoke clears and you look at what we're bringing back next year, this is going to be awesome. And this is a win. So when you texted me, you know, after the news officially came through, like, I guess we celebrate like you're absolutely right. That is what we do. This is like how Michael Jordan would create problems to motivate himself. It's almost like Harbaugh like lost the edge on his shoulder for a little bit and was like, I'm going to flirt with this job. I'm going to get everybody doubting me again. I'm going to come back and we're going to win the damn natty. So it's just like he's making all of this up on his own volition just to have more of an edge next year. Inventing enemies. I'm all here for it. Yes, this is fantastic. So the football program, man, it's in a good spot. Like regardless of who they hire a defensive coordinator, I think the defense will be okay next season. That being said, does that mean this year Josh Gaddis is interviewing for his next job? It very well could be. I I think he's going the the Brett Venables route, though. I think he is going to stay at Michigan, run this offense the way he wants, and when a big-time job, maybe alma mater or something opens up, I think he makes the move then. I don't think he wants to go coach a middling program, and the longer he has success at Michigan, the better it's going to look for him. He was rumored to be interested in Virginia, which is a decent middle-tier job, but if you string together one, two more really good seasons, maybe you start looking at programs like you know North Carolina or like middle-tier SEC teams in that ballpark. So I think he is content at working his way up from where he is right now. 
I mean, he was a bad second half interview away from being the the number one guy at Michigan. So, I mean, how far away are you from becoming the next guy at Michigan? I'm of the opinion Harbaugh will revisit these NFL rumors. I think he just he wants to win a Super Bowl. He's a mercurial guy. He's a weird guy. He's a hard dude to pin down. I think we will be back in this two years from now and we will be having the same discussion again. So do you maybe wait it out and be like, I'm the next guy there if you had some sort of guarantees? I don't know. That seems a little far fetched to me. But if I reward Manuel and this happened, I might be like, yo, Josh. You're, you're the dude should he leave if you know if you produce like we think this offense is going to produce next year so he is no matter what I think he's interviewing next year like whether I it be for this Michigan job or wherever he goes next it's going to be interesting and the success of the program will dictate most of this about how they do and how they perform so it's going to be a fun thing to watch it's a good problem to have we yes. wish we'd had this problem before when it was Brady Hoke and Al Borges so it's like you don't want to revert back to that where nobody wants them hell we didn't want them so it's like to have right. this problem where everybody wants your coaches is a good thing it means you're doing things right it's a tremendous problem to have but let's shift gears let's go to the NFL and let's talk about the pharaoh the man that built the pyramids Tom Brady has officially retired and speaking of reporting being all out of whack hullabaloo <laughs> there was another story going on this week where someone wanted to be first and broke something that wasn't exactly true and I don't want to get into a big discussion about the ethics of reporting and the integrity of reporting but this week really did show that trying to be first is not always the absolute best thing in this. And it's just it's a desire for retweets. But when you're wrong, it looks way worse and uh, bad look. It was Schefter that broke it. Tom Brady was retiring and then he wasn't. And now he is. It, it's just, yeah, it's been a rough 10 days for reporters, especially the breaking news ones. I'd rather just sit back and kind of commentate and reflect, you know, have a nice beer in the evening and then talk about things. But yeah, very strange, but let, let it not be lost that Tom Brady is retiring PFF's number one rated quarterback, led the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns at age 44, still dominant. And I'm just going to say it here and now on the record, the Pharaoh has not played his last NFL game. Whoa, my man is slinging heat. I don't know. I kind of think he is done, but the man's going out on top. As you just mentioned, the numbers there, this is what it is to go out on top, to leave in your 40s and be like, man, leaving a lot of football on the table there is <laughs> a fascinating statement that I can't believe that people are uttering in the year of our Lord 2022. But the dude is leaving a lot of football on the table. Where do you believe he's going? Is that San Francisco then? I think it's San Francisco. I believe wants to finish in the hometown where he grew up watching football, falling in love. Jimmy Jesus is out of town. He's not the savior. Kyle Shanahan's there. They have a good line, good running game. They're going to bolster that team. They're honestly a good quarterback away from being in the Super Bowl anyway. So you put the greatest of all time there. And also, I mean, you put the second most prolific receiver in their 40s in Tom Brady. So I'm just saying he has six receiving yards, second most ever for a receiver in their 40s. Wow. I mean, that's uh, let's not just gloss over that. That's obviously <laughs> is number one, Jerry Rice. Yeah, of course. Jerry Rice is like 2000. Some number two is Brady with six. Right. All right. Well, there we have it then. Uh, that's interesting. Whether or not he comes back remains to be seen. He announces his retirement and he goes out as the most unquestioned goat, probably in uh, obviously in football, but in any sport. Is he the most unquestioned greatest of all time? 
he is, and this is this is Jordan-esque retirement. When Jordan retired in the, for the second time in 98, he was unquestioned GOAT. Like, everyone just accepted it. He was the best ever. This is Jordan-esque. But, again, now it's like no one's ever going to repeat what he did. Like, it's just – it's unfathomable. 20 years as a starter, 10 times in the Super Bowl. It's a better percentage than Steph Curry has at hitting a three. Like – I think it's it's far and beyond Jordan-esque because whether or not you embrace them, debates about who the greatest of all time in the NBA are rage on to this day. Yep. And with every passing LeBron season where he's putting up numbers, he's about to pass Kareem. That It's a real debate. You can't say someone's an idiot for having the debate. You would be an idiot for having a debate against Tom Brady. Like It's not a reasonable debate to bring up. It's closer to the Jerry Rice record or the Lou Gehrig record. I think are the only things closer. Uh, obviously, Lance Armstrong's gets vacated due to uh, performance enhancing drugs, but like maybe the Williams sisters are the closest, or Phelps in the Olympics. It's, but those are the ones that it's closer to. I think it's beyond Jordan. It's a rarefied air. It's very. It's up there with just like the names that are held in reverence, like Ali's, the Tigers, people that were at their peak. But Brady's longevity is something that nobody can replicate, especially in a sport when the average NFL career is only three and a half years. He played for 22. Yes, absolutely. If you were to put that into context, like Jack Nicholas was still winning some majors when he was like in his fifties, right? Like Tigers. Out no, the game no, he now. won when he won it. He won a he won the Masters at 40, and that was a big deal. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was still at 40, <laughs> but I mean. Like I'm saying, there's just not much at 40 to win the Masters. This guy's winning Super Bowls at 40. Brady won his first Super Bowl. Mack. He won his first Super Bowl when LeBron was a junior in high school. Yeah, I think this is pretty <laughs> untouchable. I think this is up there with like the hitting streak, the Gehrig hitting streak or yep. something like that, where it's just you're not going to see it touched. Um, Mahomes needs to go on an insane run to even be like in the conversation and to have the longevity, like you mentioned, that's the biggest thing. So uh, Michigan will have the greatest NFL quarterback of all time, probably long after you and I are but uh, dust in the earth, my friend. Yeah, and Ohio State fans can just try to claim Joe Burrow to feel better. He legitimately came out and said, I don't know why y'all trying to claim me. And that's a great segue into what maybe is the most entertaining Super Bowl we've had in 20 years. It's great because like both sides are kind of likable. I do miss having a good villain to root against, but it's fun to just have Matt Stafford there. You know, the veteran we've watched them just piddle away in Detroit forever. And then you got Joe Burrow, the young upstart that we love. And it's the Bengals. Like no one has like a harsh opinion of the Bengals. Like it's like, oh, I don't like the Bengals. Like what, what, why, what why? did they ever they do to you? They haven't won anything. No, it's very it's it's very strange. Like the fact that Burrow could like revamp that franchise, and it might be the most have the highest approval rating of any athlete in the country right now. Oh yes, and the fact that he took down Patrick Mahomes and his ilk, who you and I both agree, nothing wrong with Patrick Mahomes, but he needs to surround himself with better people. So that really made it much easier to root for Joe Burrow. I mean, his run at LSU is unprecedented. The fact that he spurned Ohio State, just his calm energy, like he doesn't care about anything else other than like his teammates winning football games and just being a big dick swinger. Like it, impossible to dislike the guy. And then on the other side, it's Matthew Stafford, who everyone in Detroit, I, I believe most people in Detroit should be rooting for. I'm on that that uh, bandwagon. Some people claim that you shouldn't be doing that. I don't know. Fandom is weird, but I think there's nothing wrong with rooting for Matthew Stafford admitting he was not the problem in Detroit. 
Exactly. And for this Super Bowl, why I lean towards the Rams, just in my prediction, is I don't think there's any way Aaron Donald's losing a second Super Bowl. I just, I, the first one really rubbed him wrong. And I think he's going to eat up that interior Cincinnati offensive line and give them a reason to draft somebody. Just please don't hurt our boy, Joey B. Please. No, no, no. I, I agree. Like that offensive line, sh- eventually that should come back to bite you. Like the, the fact that they give up that many pressures and you're going against Aaron Donald and Von Miller, who's looked good. Um, also, the David Long versus Chris Evans game, as far as Michigan rooting interest. Chris Evans uh, hasn't been seeing a lot of run in these playoffs. David Long, you'll see out there, though, for sure. He's had some plays in this playoff run. Uh, but I agree. I think it'll be the Rams. But the fact is, I'm not like overly confident in the fact that it's a coin flip for the Bengals to maybe be your Super Bowl champion. That's fascinating. Yeah, this is a win-win. It's fun. It's a, Everyone's pretty likable in this. There's not a player like, oh, I just can't stand that guy. Like, Jamar Chase is a great player. Jalen Ramsey is so sassy. And the way he kind of took the giving up Brady's last career passing touchdown in stride was I thought was a really cool move. So just a lot of cool storylines here. The Zach Taylor, Sean McVay thing going back and forth. Like, you know, prodigy and pupil again. So it's going to be a fun Super Bowl, man. I'm really excited for it. I totally agree. Also, we were able to talk uh, Cooper Cup a little bit with Jake Butt, who's another phenomenal football mind and like break down his analysis of that. So I'm a Cooper Cup guy for that reason, among other reasons. He's just awesome at football. Uh, Maybe the best receiver in the game. He's the best receiver in football. He is. I'm not a huge Jalen Ramsey guy, but that's really the only dude I have any opinions of that might be slightly negative on either team. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, David Long Jr., Chris Evans, both be uh, in their first Super Bowls. That's super exciting for those guys. And it's just it's a good time to be a Michigan Wolverine again. I think we can all just collectively exhale. What was it? Only two, three years ago, Chris Evans was not associated with the Michigan football program and was like delivering pizzas and working out at a local gym. And now he's in the Super Bowl. I hope he gets a touchdown in this game. That would be so awesome. That story, we would certainly be reporting on that story because it is great, like his rise. And the dude owned what happened at Michigan. I Like he really, as a player, as a person, owned up to that, said, I want to be here for this team. Could have easily transferred. I mean, how many kids would have transferred now in today's day and age? He'd have been gone, but he stuck around, came back to the program, got drafted, now gets a chance to play in a Super Bowl. Awesome, awesome story. That resilience and the way he handled it in the face of adversity is what I really think epitomizes being a Michigan man is. It's not, you know, being great on your good days. He was still great on his bad days and overcame everything. I love it. Absolutely love it. No matter what, we're we're coming out winners here. And if the Rams win, Matty Stafford gets a Super Bowl. I love him. His wife seems like a cool lady. They did a lot for for the city of Detroit while they were here. So this is a win-win. I'm all here for it. And um yeah, man. And now uh, we focus on basketball. We get to talk about the offseason. We get to start breaking down this Michigan football team for next season. It's going to be a lot of fun because I love what we bring back and we can just start to, to be normal again. You know, there was a moment there where I was like, wow, we're neither a basketball school nor a football school here in this brief window of time. And now uh, we're back, baby. We could. We just started covering women's basketball more because shout out Nas. Nas Hillman. The coldest. She is a beast uh, women's basketball right now. You need to start following them. They are on a tear. So, yeah, that was where we were about to shift. And maybe we should start shifting that way. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the women's basketball team. They're awesome, especially Nas Hillman. She's a beast. Remember last I year think- when I said she should be star- our starting point guard? I was not against it either. Mike Smith, <laughs> his, height, his height really came up to hurt us in the tournament. So if she can come over and handle the rock a little bit, I'm here for this. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, brother. Anything else that we missed before we call it? Uh, the biggest signing day in Michigan history was this past Wednesday when Jim Harbaugh recommitted to Michigan and JJ McCarthy said it best on his Instagram. Those who stay. Let's go. I can't yeah. wait for this offseason content, my friend. It's going to be good. And we'll be here for all of it. Uh, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Brew. You can follow me on Twitter if you'd like at JStorm303 at UMAndrewB. That's going to do it. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, especially when your coach is coming back after a Big Ten championship run, you go blue. <laughs>